Welcome back to Biff's World, the world of my short stories. This is Biff Price. The Song of Benjamin is about tragedy, love, deliverance, and healing. B.J. Cathcart is no ordinary boy. His mother dies when he's born. His father abandons him, and his maternal grandmother rescues him. Why is B.J. so extraordinary? Let's find out together as we begin Episode 1 of The Song of Benjamin. Dr. Wiseman told Anne Reynolds that she had to be careful. Three miscarriages in four years had left her reproductive system weakened. The fourth pregnancy had made it to the third trimester without any problems, but he would prefer that she spent the last months at home. No traveling. She was not to do anything strenuous. There was also the factor of her age. Being 40 was not the end of the world, but the risk involved were multiplied. Jason Reynolds, her husband, was little help because he was never around. Working in the oil industry had him on the road most weeks of the year. He spent more time in the air than many birds, coming down to do business, make deals, solve problems, and act as frontman for his company, Edelson Industries. The task of taking care of Anne fell upon her mother, Agnes Cathcart, age 63. The problem was that the Reynolds family lived in an upscale subdivision just outside Dallas, Texas, while Anne's mother lived in the small town of Green Tree, Indiana. Something had to give. The decision was made for Agnes to come to Anne. She arranged for her home to be watched over while she was gone. This was, fortunately, not a problem since Agnes's brother Ralph and sister June and their families still lived in Green Tree. There were plenty of people around to keep an eye on the place. Besides, Anne, it was of paramount importance that she have access to her doctor and the hospital in Dallas. The first child of Jason and Ann Reynolds arrived in the world on June the 10th, six weeks premature. Tragically, Ann did not survive the birth. Doctors did all they could to save her, but could not. Their concern then turned to the four-pound, ten-ounce boy and his needs. Jason Reynolds was in Dubai when the birth occurred. He returned home four days later. The funeral was held the next day. Dr. Jacob Wiseman sat down with Jason and explained the status of his son. He appeared to be normal, but his birth weight and slightly jaundiced condition, weakened lung capacity, etc., was going to require three to four weeks of continuing hospitalization and monitoring. Will you be able to remain at home during the year? The doctor asked. Without boring an eye, Jason said, no, other arrangements will have to be made. He could not possibly remain at home. His job depended on him being in the field. If he elected to stay home, he would lose his job. There were deals that had to be made. In fact, he should be on a plane that evening. Jacob Wiseman stared at the man. Was the man in shock? Denial? His wife was dead. His child might be in danger. 
Yet he sat there saying that it would be business as usual. Do you love your son, Mr. Reynolds? What? What's love have to do with this? What kind of question is that? Without a job, without money, what good is love? I have to work, just like you do. Do you understand that? For a moment, Dr. Wiseman looked at Jason Reynolds as if he was some kind of strange creature that he had never seen before, and wondered what to say next. Finally, he managed, Well, what kind of arrangements can you make? Who will care for your son? The child will eventually come home. Who will be there to receive him? Who will be there to receive him? That's not my problem. Yes, sir, it is your problem. He's your son, your flesh and blood. For the love of God, Mr. Reynolds, how can you sit there at this moment and deny him? There is no God, Dr. Wiseman. No such thing. You want me to sit here in remorse, agonizing over my dead wife and my son? Sorry, I'm not buying it. Frankly, I never wanted a child. Anne did. It was her deal. I was along for the ride. I thought she'd have someone to be with. I had my work. She could have her child. That would be fair. Life isn't fair to most people because most people don't see life the way I do. Opportunity doesn't fall from trees. If you want success, you have to chase it. My dream is wealth and all that comes with it. I'm 42 years old. I plan to be able to retire at 50 and do whatever I want. My stock options and savings will take care of me forever. If Jason had punched the doctor in the face, he would not have had been more stunned in that moment. He was filled with such anger in that moment that he could barely speak. Finally, he got control of himself and said, Mr. Reynolds, what are you going to do with the child? Well, I'm certainly not going to take him on the plane with me. It's your problem. You take care of it, Jason said. I can't take care of it. I'm not his father. You are. I told you it was Anne's deal. Give him away. I don't care. Where in God's world did you come from, Mr. Reynolds? I've never met anyone like you in all my years. It's the law, man. He's your son. Your responsibility. You can't just give him away like a puppy. He's your flesh and blood. You mentioned God again, and I'm leaving here now. I don't believe in that crap. I never have. Besides, I thought you doctors didn't believe in it either. Aren't you supposed to be men of science, Jason said? Dr. Jacob Wiseman felt his heart lurch within his chest. This was a nightmare. Jason Reynolds was, without a doubt, the most selfish person he had ever met or hoped to meet in his 56 years of life. Jacob was a believer. He could not get through the week without going to Temple Beth El. He ran his hand through his hair and said, What about your mother-in-law and her family? Or your own family? Could someone be there for the child while you're away? My parents are dead. I don't have any relatives I bother to speak to. As far as my mother-in-law is concerned, ask her yourself. If she's willing to take him, let her. I will allow her to stay at my home until the kid gets out of the hospital. But I want her out of my house when the child is released. She can take it back to Indiana for all I care. 
The following day, Dr. Wiseman met Agnes Cathcart in his office at the hospital, and they discussed the baby's prognosis. He was identified only as male Reynolds at that moment. No name had been given yet. What will his name be? Dr. Wiseman asked gently. That would be up to Anne, Agnes began to cry. Or his father. She talked to me about three possible names. James, Benjamin, and William. I can't choose the name for him. I'm only his grandmother. Dr. Wiseman got up from behind his desk, walked around it, and pulled a chair closer to Agnes. He sat down and took her hands in his. He explained about Jason Reynolds, about what kind of man he was, and about the fact that he did not want his son. He told Agnes that she could take the boy when he was well enough to travel, if she wanted to. The only other option would be to contact social services. Of course, Jason Reynolds could not escape financial responsibility for the child that easily. This was going to be a complicated situation, and he needed her input. She was the boy's maternal grandmother. What did she think Anne would have wanted her to do? He should have a name. He's Anne's son, Agnes said with anger. What name would you choose, Mrs. Cathcart? I like James and Benjamin both. The doctor smiled. They're both good Jewish names, he said. Through her tears, Agnes managed to smile. Dr. Wiseman, you have a wonderful name. You are indeed a wise man. Let's name him then. We can use both. My vote is for Benjamin James. What do you think? And I think you are a wise woman, Mrs. Cathcart. He's Benjamin James forever. That would make him Benjamin James Reynolds. Do you like the sound of that? Dr. Wiseman asked. No, it will be Benjamin James Cathcart. If his father wants nothing to do with him, so be it. I won't have him growing up in my home with that name. The man gave up more than his son. He gave up the right to be part of his life, Agnes said. Do you have the resources to take care of him and the help you'll need? Wiseman asked. I'm not a wealthy woman, but I own my home, and Green Tree is a lovely town, a wonderful place to grow up. My family is large and supportive. There will be no problems making sure he's cared for. I will treat him like the son I never had. If this can be done, let's do it. I'll contact my family and let them know what's going on. What followed was complicated, but the authorities heard the situation presented, and with the support of Dr. Jacob Wiseman, Agnes Cathcart was given permission to take Benjamin James to Green Tree, Indiana, when he was released from the hospital. Agnes's niece, Rachel Cathcart, who was a nurse in training, flew to Dallas and helped bring the boy home. Tune in next time for Episode 2 of the Song of Benjamin. This is Bip Price in Bip's World, A Place of Wonder. Come back again soon. There's so much more to enjoy.